0: As we come to chapter 9, message 24, the book of Hebrews, to remember that the writer, many believe is Paul, is reminding Jewish background believers in Christ, scattered in persecution of the necessity, to remain with Christ and not go back to the Old Testament ways of sacrifice and in that temple system. As we saw in these verses, that uh, here's a section of scripture that most of us would say I would never preach on that, this is just fill in information that uh, what's it mean for us today, 2023. Why is it important to think about as we do expository preaching through a book? to think about each verse and group of verses and certainly we might think what does this mean for us when the writer says where there is a testament there must also be a necessity the death of the testator what does that mean for us today Why does the writer bring these seemingly insignificant details to bear? Well, in the Old Testament era, God made a covenant with the people of Israel. He chose them, made them. A nation and a people. they formerly were not his people. He showed mercy to them. He brought redemption to them. and he guaranteed this by making a covenant, an agreement with them. But what he's getting at here, is that, in a legal matter, a will or a testament doesn't serve much purpose while the person is alive. So, perhaps we all have a last will and a testament that's written, might be on file with the courts, But it doesn't mean anything to our beneficiaries, our children, while we're still alive. We're free to do with our resources what we want. They're not necessarily free to inherit those things until there's the death of that person. So he's reminding us that a testament is a covenant made to disperse resources and make promises but it's an effect when the person dies now uh, he says here that uh, The testament, the covenant, the will only comes in force when the person dies. We know this in our legal system. Um, I can give away property, but my will doesn't go into effect till I die, whenever that is. Now. The point here that he's making is that God made a covenant with Israel with specific terms and provisions that were guaranteed by the shedding of blood. Something died, but it wasn't the human beings of Israel. It wasn't the people of Israel. There was the shedding of blood. This was what, so to speak, guaranteed this promise of God that this people would be my people. I would bring redemption and salvation. To Israel. But he says. It's not. It's not by. The death of Moses. Or the priest. It's by. The blood of bulls. And rams and goats. So. He's reminding us. That for the. covenant To be in force. Something has to die. So, we need to read, read, read in verses
1: 19
0: to 23 the detail that was he's speaking about from Exodus 24 and other passages. What happened in Exodus 24? God told Moses what to do. Moses got up, he built an altar, he built pillars representing 12 tribes, he spoke the law to the people and they went through these rituals of a sacrificial system where various animals were killed and what were done with the animals had spoken the precepts to the people according to the law. What does it say? He does. He took the blood of the calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book, that is the book of the covenant, and the people, saying this is, the blood of the covenant. How is the covenant of God proven?
1: It's
0: by the death of the animals. The shedding of blood. Um, we might think this is very strange. Today in modern America. We don't think about killing animals, perhaps in a religious ritual, to appease our conscience or our guilt. But God had set the system that by a bloody system with bloody rituals, it was to guarantee the truth of his covenant that you're my people and I've cleansed you made you my people called you out and brought you to this land and I'm forgiving and covering your sins we read about the fact this system Moses dedicated this to God. He brought it before the people. The people were set apart before God by the terms of this covenant. It's a precise terms. It's a bloody ritual. It might not Really makes sense to us. But. It's the terms. That God demanded. But. Why. Is there shedding. Of flood. Because. God told Adam. When you sin. By eating the tree. The fruit of the tree. You bring death into the world. So the problem is either the people die or God gives a sacrifice of animals as a substitute in their place. This bloody ritual. Now, if we were living in Israel at this time, 1400 years, before Christ we would see that there's precise rules given the tabernacle, the altar, everything was prepared according to God's commandments. Moses and the priest did exactly as God had told him. There's a sprinkling of water, of oil. There's the killing of animals and the blood is sprinkled. Notice in Exodus, some of the blood touched the, the altar with his finger, some blood sprinkled in various places. How does he sprinkle it? He probably took the branches of the hyssop tree and dipped the blood and sprinkled it. And so we see this bloody ritual as a guarantee of God's covenant. It seems strange to us, but this was the terms that God set. And I want you to notice how many times it said in Exodus that Moses sprinkled things with blood. The
1: Hebrew
0: root words that we get the word, sprinkle, basically, is the words that would be translated, a baptism. Again, our modern thinking sometimes is that the word baptism means only immersion. But the Jewish people would have understood that a baptism could mean a sprinkling of blood. And, uh, especially by, with a hyssop branch sprinkling on the altar and the book of governance. And so, uh, all these things were done in verse 22. According to the law and it shows because of the death of the animals that there's a purification with blood and we get this famous verse without the shedding of blood there's no remission. No remission of what? of sin. This is the terms that God said. God said that God could adjust said, I forgive you. I wink at your sin. But he's holy and just. And he demanded This sacrificial system, this shedding of blood for the purification and remission from sin. So, what does all this Old Testament covenant point to for us today? Well, very simply, the shedding of blood in the Old Covenant foreshadows what Jesus Christ is going to do on the cross under the new covenant. How can Christ be the mediator of the new covenant? How can there be remission of sin without the shedding of blood? But we've read earlier in Hebrews that the blood of bulls and goats was not perfect enough to remove sin and its guilt. It covered it and it had to be done many times by sinful priests. But in Christ, there's one sacrifice. Once and for all. For the sins of his people. That. Remove sin. As. First John said. It's a propitiation. For sin. The sins of. His people. And so. Um, the important thing. For us to realize. In this kind of strange passage is that God had a system to deal with sin under the old covenant. But he replaces the old covenant and the temple sacrifices. The old priesthood with a new covenant, a new mediator, a new sacrifice. Because Christ is fully man, he represents man. Fully God, he represents God. And he's able to deal with sin once and for all because he willingly shed his blood. Not because he was a sinner, but he laid down his life, as John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. So, it's not a long message today, But think about what the writer is reminding these Jewish Christians. Don't go back to the old system. It wasn't sufficient. God gave a better covenant. A new covenant. A better mediator. A better sacrifice. A better priest. Better promises. He gave a sacrifice that cleansed from sin once and for all. The power of sin, the penalty of sin, the pollution of sin, and ultimately, the presence of sin. Look to Jesus, the mediator of the better covenant. Now, sometimes people in our modern culture don't like this. I can deal with my sin. On my terms, I can do what I want to do to appease my guilt. I can go to pagan rituals or witchcraft or whatever. They don't want Jesus to be their substitute. We hear this sometimes from Muslims who say, Well, how
1: can
0: can Jesus die for my sins? They don't understand what God has provided in Jesus being the Lamb of God, being the Redeemer from sin. But what we see here, God had a system in the Old Covenant. Now, there's a new covenant with better terms, a better mediator, better promises, a complete and perfect redemption for any who would claim it for themselves. So... Couple of action points. Continue to read in Hebrews, chapters 9 to 13. So I'll keep preaching in a, every few weeks on a passage. Keep reading. But the action point to think soberly about your need of a Savior. We're sinners. We needed to be cleansed from the pollution and guilt and penalty of sin. Could we do that ourselves? No. We needed the provision that God gave in Christ. So think about this. What did Christ do? When the scripture said, Jesus died for the ungodly. And that was us. We weren't good by nature. We were ungodly. What did Jesus do? His perfect life. His legal substitutionary atoning death. Just never forget about and be amazed what Jesus has done for each of us as individuals, collectively, as a church, and for his people across the whole world in any age. That's never Stop being amazed and thankful for God's provision in Christ. Then third, that's defend this work of redemption. This was God's plan. Perfectly accomplished in Christ. Applied by the Spirit. People will complain; They don't like. This idea of a bloody sacrifice. That cr- cross is offensive to people. But we must defend it and preach it to the world. The people think that the God of Scripture is psychotic, he's spiteful, he's bloody, he demands blood. We don't like it, but this is the plan of redemption that we must defend and preach to a lost and dying world. There is no other Savior. There's no salvation in other religions. Because Christ willingly shed his blood for the sins of his people. Father, thank you for this great work of Christ. We don't understand everything about how you did it. Some of it seems difficult. But you had a system in the old covenant, you gave us a new covenant with a better priest, a better mediator, a better sacrifice. And we're thankful today because of Christ, we have forgiveness of sin. We have freedom from sin from the power and pollution of sin and ultimately the presence of sin we were strangers to the covenant and now we've been adopted to your family because of christ let us not Be ashamed of the work of Christ.